Yes, our week of health talks has just about come to an end. So, as it is the last time, I would just like to spend just a few moments just recognizing a few people who, without whom none of this would have been possible. I'd like just to recognize our dear sister, Sharon Platt MacDonald. Just take a stand up for us. Yes, the, let's give her a hearty amen and a round of applause. I have to say it's a, um, it's a privilege to be working with her at the BUC in the health department. I know she's looking a bit confused. Why is he doing this? He's embarrassing me. And it, is Elsie Staple here? Is Elsie Staple here? I haven't seen her. Elsie Staple, she's not here? Well, let's just give her a round of applause anyway. Elsie Staple, if, if you've ever seen me in your churches talking about health, I'm there because of Elsie Staple. And it's also a privilege for me to work with her, and she's such a fine leader. Um, and last but by no means least, our own president, Pastor Sam Davis. Would you like to just take a stand for us? I have to say that definitely without him, all of this, all of this, wonder, we're all having a wonderful week, right? All down to his leadership, and I have to say he has been supporting and encouraging me in everything I've been doing. So I personally want to thank you too. And also you. I have to say, you are the finest bunch of people I have ever had the privilege of talking to. Now you just think I'm saying that, right? You just think I'm saying that. Well, I've got the evidence, I've got the evidence. Um, yesterday, um, I was just walking through the corridor and a dear sister said to me, Dr. Chiddy, you are bankrupt in the shop. I said, what do you mean bankrupt in the shop? She said, well, look, come with me. So she took me into that shop just outside and she showed me this. Nobody's buying any milk. <laughs> well, maybe the next time we come back, they'll be putting on soya milk for us. So you guys are obviously learning the lessons. Praise the name of the Lord. And by the way, just speaking about milk, um, some of you guys have been coming up to me and saying, you know, Dr. Chitty, you know, this stuff about soya milk, um, I've heard that it just makes you a bit infertile. Is that true? Well, my answer is always the same. Do you know the country that drinks the most and eats the most soya? China. How many Chinese people are in the world? We've got over a billion Chinese people. It doesn't have any effect on your fertility, okay? Great stuff. Now, um, I never like to do a series of health talks without talking about this subject that I'm talking about today. Um, some of you may have heard it before, but it, it doesn't hurt to hear it again. Um, and the title of it is called Bitter or Better. You see, 1844 was a very interesting year, wasn't it? Very interesting year in our history. A very interesting year all the way around the world. But I'd like to take you to France and to a man 
by the name of Alexandre Dumont. He was already famous for a book that he'd written called The Three Musketeers. You've heard of that. He's a black guy, you know. Um, wrote The Three Musketeers, but in 1844, he came up with what I consider his masterpiece, his work of art, and that is The Count of Monte Cristo. The Count of Monte Cristo. The Count of Monte Cristo is a story about revenge. A man by the name of Edward Dante, a good man, was betrayed by his best friend. He ended up going to prison for life. His best friend took his wife, took all of his money, and in fact, whilst he was in prison, his father died in poverty. The only thing that kept Edward Dante alive was when he got out, he was going to kill that friend. Because he understood that revenge is sweet. But of course, it has a bitter aftertaste. You see, all of those negative emotions like revenge and bitterness and sadness and anger and envy and all of those emotions, they have a common root. And that root is the lack of forgiveness. The Bible talks a lot about forgiveness, doesn't it? I always like the story of the unmerciful servant. For those of you, I know all of you know this story, but I'm just going to give it to you again. The story of the unmerciful servant is a, is a man who owed his boss an awful lot of money. More money than he could ever hope to pay back. And his boss said to him, right, it's time for you to pay back. So he said, okay, um, give me some time and I'll try and do it. He could never pay back. But his boss said, look, if you don't pay me back, I'm going to put you in prison. Not just you, but all your family. And so he said, look, please, just give me some more time. And in the end, his boss forgave him the debt. Can you imagine that? Living debt-free. No mortgage, no car payments, nothing. This guy left his presence happy, as we would all be. But he came across a friend of his who owed him a small amount of money. And he said, look, you owe me some money. I want to have it back now. His friend pleaded with him, but as you can see, he treated him roughly and said, look, you better pay me or I'm going to send you to jail. Now, those people watching reported him back to his boss, and his boss then called him back and said, look, how can you be so mean to that guy for a small amount when I've forgiven you so much? And this is what he said. In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. Now, Jesus says this. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother. But uh, surely he doesn't mean torture, right? Surely, he's not going to put us into prison and torture us. But let me just explain what he does mean. You see this picture. Now, what, what's going on here? Do you know what's going on in this picture? What's that? A lie detector. A lie detector. Now, let me ask you the question. How can a machine tell that you're lying? 
can a machine that doesn't have a brain that can't see you tell that you're lying? Any ideas? Sorry? Your blood pressure. What happens to your blood pressure? Every time you tell a lie, your blood pressure goes up. What about your pulse rate? What happens to your pulse? Your pulse goes up every time you tell a lie. What about sweating? Every time you tell a lie, your breathing increases too. Every time you tell a lie, all of these physiological things happen to your body. In fact, any time you're under any kind of stress, whether you feel bitter towards somebody, whether you're angry towards somebody, your body is going through a series of stresses. And it produces exactly the same result as if you're lying. Now, I, I showed you this picture a while ago. This happens every time you feel envious, bitter, or under any stress. The middle of your brain, the hypothalamus, it sends a message to your pituitary gland. Your pituitary gland sends a message to your adrenal cortex, and your adrenal cortex releases all these chemicals, adrenaline, cortisol, which raises your blood pressure, knocks out your immune system. All of these things happen every time you are bitter towards somebody else. Every single time. Now, what does that mean to your body? It means you can have high blood pressure. You know anybody with high blood pressure? I'm sure you do. It means you can get heart disease. I told you the other day that a woman going through divorce increased her risk of breast cancer by 300%. That's because of the stress and the bitterness and the anguish that she goes through. We also said that cortisol in your body can increase your risk of diabetes. So all of these things are happening to you. And it doesn't just happen to your body, it happens to your mind, your emotions, and also your behavior. When you are unforgiving, I'm sure none of you recognize this, but when you're unforgiving, sometimes it can take a while for you to start trusting and loving. It can also lead to things like mental breakdown, low mood, and depression. So when Jesus said that if you don't forgive, you can be tortured and tormented for the rest of your life, he was exactly right. In fact, many people would rather go to jail than have all of those diseases. Now, the problem is, many of us today are living with so many of these diseases because of our lack of forgiveness, because of our bitterness that we still have towards other people. I like this definition. It says, unforgiveness towards an enemy is like drinking poison yourself and expecting your enemy to die from it. <laughs> that makes no sense whatsoever. You drink the poison yourself and you expect your enemy to die. But that's exactly what we're doing. We're killing ourselves. Your enemy is living their life happy. They don't even know that you're upset with them. You are killing yourself. I've just come back from Northern California and I gave this talk, and at the end of it, a doctor, she's in her 60s, came to me crying, and she said, uh, yeah, you know, I, I still haven't forgiven my father. I said, right, um, so where is your father? Well, my father's actually dead. <laughs> so we, we have unforgiveness towards people who are not even alive. 
I always thought that Adventists believe that the dead know nothing. <laughs> but we still resurrect them every single day to feel bitter and twisted towards them. And they can't even feel it. We're killing ourselves. So God is asking us to forgive. And in Luke chapter 6, verse 32 to 36, he gives us a definition of forgiveness. And it says, But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even if sinners, even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But love your enemies, do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return. And your reward will be great and you will be the sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the unthankful and the evil. Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Amen. So God is saying, look, if you're good to people who are good to you, that doesn't mean anything. Adolf Hitler was good to his friends. That doesn't mean he was a good person. If you lend to people who you expect to get it back from, what does that matter? Everybody does that. No, what God is saying is that when somebody does you wrong, that is the time you need to reach out to help that person. That's God's definition. Now, most of you are silent about that. When somebody robs from you, you dig into your pocket to help them. That's God's definition of forgiveness. That's a hard thing to understand, isn't it? Because we're all thinking about those people who have abused and robbed us. And God is asking me to go out of my way to help them? And then, on top of that, he says, look, unless we forgive, we cannot be forgiven. That makes it very difficult. Now, if I was to stop there, I think that would be half the message. Because we know we should forgive. We know that. But what I'd like to do is give you some encouragement of how we can do it. Um, what I always like to do, I don't like to tell people how to, what they should do. I like to encourage people how they should do it. So we're going to get some encouragement, if that's okay with you. Is that all right? Great. Now, number one, in order for us to really understand and forgive, we have to understand that God sees when you've been mistreated and he will restore he will restore. There is nothing that has happened to you that he cannot see. And when he restores, he doesn't restore you to a place that you were. He restores you to a place that is higher than where you were before. That is his intention for us. You see, in the Old Testament, if you robbed somebody and you took a bull, you couldn't just replace it with a bull. You had to give four bulls or seven bulls or ten bulls. That is God's definition of restoration. The text that says, I will restore the years that the locust has eaten. When the locust comes and chews up all your crops and flies away, he's not going to repay you. But God says, I will repay you. 
You don't have to be bitter. You don't have to be twisted. Even though that person has gone off to go and rob somebody else, I will repay. And I love the way it says, I will restore the years that the locust has eaten. Because some of us feel, I've been in this relationship for years, and it seems like it's all been wasted. God is saying, I will restore those years to you. So that you won't even miss them. Now, I lived in a place when I was at university, um, this place called Nutford House. Um, in fact, my very first day at university, I got through that door, dumped my stuff, went down to have something to eat, and that's where I met my wife, uh, 24 years ago. I know I don't look old enough. I know I don't look old enough. But yes, I, I, I became the president of Nutford House, and we did a lot of good things, and the people who ran Nutford House said, hey, Chitty, um, we like what you've done, so we want to make you the senior student of Nutford House. I didn't know what that meant, but when they said, it means that you can live here as long as you want and only pay a fraction of the rent, I said, yes, obviously. <laughs> so I was, yeah, rubbing my hands and saying, oh, this is, this is going to be good. But then later on, one of their relatives moved it, and they wanted that person to be the senior student instead. So they said, oh, Chitty, why don't we just open it up for an interview and, you know, we can do it that way. I said, look, if you don't want me to be the senior student, that is fine. I will move on somewhere else. And so my friend said to me, well, Chitty, look, you've just been robbed. How can you let them get away with that? They said you were going to be the senior student and now you've just let them off scot-free. I didn't know. I just said, well, you know what? God's going to do something. Oh, you and your God. So I... I scraped some money together, I got a little deposit, and I, I bought a little flat um, nearer to my medical school, actually. And when I moved in, I had two spare rooms, so I had two students move in with me, two of my fellow students, and they were ending up paying my mortgage. So I was actually living there for free. So... Two years later, I discovered that the place I bought was worth three times what I paid for it. By the time I left medical school, it was worth five times what I paid for it. I still have that place. It's now worth seven times what I paid for it. You know what? I used some of that money when I got out of medical school. I used some of that money and I started a vegan restaurant in Soho, centre of London. Now, I know you guys are not interested in money, so I won't bore you with how much money that thing made for me. Much more even than the value of my property. Now, do you think I went back to Nutford House and said, you guys robbed me? <laughs> you guys kicked me out. I want my money back. Actually, it was because they kicked me out that I got those blessings. God restored me to such a high level, I couldn't have even imagined. So when, when somebody cheats you, when somebody robs from you, they cannot really rob from you because God will restore you. Everybody knows David and Goliath. And I always ask the question, if David never met Goliath, where would he be? He'd be a shepherd. He'd be a very good shepherd, but he'd be a shepherd. But God used Goliath to promote David. He didn't want to defeat David with Goliath. He used the big, huge Goliath to promote him. Goliath was not the stumbling block in his life. 
He was the stepping stone. Many of us today are running away from the Goliaths in our life. The health issues, the financial issues, the family issues. But God is saying, look, I'm not using that to destroy you. I'm using that to promote you. If we can stay in faith and not be so bitter, not feel that we have to get revenge, but just to say, you know what? God is in control. And as big a defeat that this looks, it's going to be to my success. That's what we have to do. Now, I don't know if you ever hear this question, why does bad stuff happen to good people? You ever hear that? Every time I hear that, I'm reminded of the riots that we had two years ago. Remember those riots? Well, I wasn't out in the riots, but I did see the riots. And um, a few things I noticed was that when you looked at all the shops they smashed in, you would see the, the sportswear shops smashed in. You would see the mobile phone shops and TV shops smashed in. You would see the bookshops left pristine. <laughs> You'd see the libraries unaffected. As if to say, whatever's in there, they had no interest in. But I recommend that you go to one of these bookshops or libraries and you look at the autobiographies of all the great men and women in the, in the history of this world and you will find that none of them had an easy life. None of them had an easy life. All of them had to go through struggle so that they went from good people to great people. Because God is not satisfied with good people. He wants great people. And unfortunately, the way that you get from good to great usually takes a bit of pain. Usually takes just a little bit of pain. I want to be great, don't you? Well, that means you're going to have to go through some hard times. Okay? That's just the way God works. Now, um, the third bit of encouragement I'd like to give you is just this equation. You trying to turn two into four, which really means trying to turn two into four. I will explain myself. Um, 2009, the inauguration, you remember that? Um, I had the great privilege of being there in the park. You can probably see me right at the back. <laughs> I was right at the back. I, there was nobody behind me. I was at the back on a freezing cold day, but uh, it was worth it. I was, it was great to be there because Barack Obama became president of the United States. But before he became president, on the news it was saying, you know what, he was learning and studying how to be president. How do you study how to be president? Well, actually what he did, he was studying this man, Abraham Lincoln, who is still the greatest president of the United States. This is the president who united the United States. He was quite a wise man too. This is one of his statements. The best way to destroy an enemy is to make him a friend. Wisdom. But you have to ask, how on earth did Abraham Lincoln get so wise, become so humble? And the best way to do that is just to look at his life. See, in 1816, as a child, his family lost their home and he had to work to support them. Two years later, his mother died. He failed in business. He ran for state office and then he lost. His second business went bankrupt. You know what that means. That just means you lose everything. He ran for state office and won. Then the year later, his fiancée died. 
A year after that, he had a nervous breakdown, couldn't cope with life. When people get to that stage, they often want to take their life. He then ran for speaker and lost. He sought to be elector and lost. He ran for Congress and lost. Now, at this point, I'm sure many people would say to Abraham, you know, look. <laughs> choose another career. <laughs> oh, you can't go into business. You're useless at that, too. I mean, do something else. It's not working for you, mate. So he then ran for Congress and won. He ran for re-election and lost. He ran for Senate and lost. Then he ran for vice president and lost badly. I want you to see something. You know, a vice president is higher than a senator. A senator is higher than a congressman. So he fails to become a congressman, and he goes higher to become a senator. <laughs> he fails to become a senator, so he goes even higher to become a vice president. You know, I think there's a lesson for us there. Often when we lose something, it's, oh, I failed in that interview. I'm not good enough. I have to give up on life. I'm going to stay at home now. Actually, it may mean that that job is not suitable for you. It's not good enough for you. So maybe you should set yourself a bit higher. So where else could he go after vice president? He came back down to Senate, and he lost. And then two years later, he was elected president of the United States. Now, Abraham Lincoln understood something. You see, all of those defeats that were happening, they were not happening to him. They were happening for him. It was just training. So that by the time he got to be president, he was a humble man. When you go through all of those defeats, you have to be humble. You can't have any pride. So that when he, the North beat the South, he was able to treat his enemies like his friends and able then to unite the United States. God had worked in him a perfect lesson so that he was ready to be the president of the United States. And you know what? It's the same thing for us. It's the same thing for us. God allows us to go through all of these defeats, not to harm us, but just to prepare us. When we're faced with those big Goliaths, those big hurdles, what God is saying is, look, this is just preparation for something better in your life. When you feel, oh, I just wish I got that job opportunity, God is just saying to you, you know what? All that's happening is that I'm preparing you for something better. If somebody steals from you, they are just preparing you for something better. We don't, therefore, have to be unforgiving. We can either allow these things to make us bitter or they can make us better. It is really up to us. And we have to think about what Christ has actually done for us. You see, people are always asking me, you know, Chitty, what has this got to do with health? You're supposed to be talking to us about health. You see, you can eat the best food in the world, you can do all the exercise, but you can be a complete unhealthy person simply because of your attitude, simply because you cannot forgive. All of those problems of cancers and heart disease and blood pressure will always follow you unless you learn how to forgive. And God has given us this ultimate encouragement. The encouragement being that, look, you know what? 
I have given you so much. Why are you holding on to that little thing? Let it go. And if you let it go, I will make your life even better. I'm not doing this to harm you. I'm doing this to promote you. So let's just watch this little clip and then we'll do some homework together. His 
see that unmerciful servant when he was thrown back into prison he wasn't thrown into prison because he owed something he was thrown into prison because he wouldn't forgive what is it that we're holding on to that we can't forgive we have the opportunity to relief ourselves from the prison a physical prison of ill health blood pressure and all kinds of problems that come with it but also a spiritual one but we have to let it go we have to forgive knowing that God when you let it go he's only going to promote you anyway so why should we hold on to anything so I just want you to spend just a few minutes thinking about that individual or those individuals who you feel you need to forgive maybe you haven't done it yet just think and pray for them. And I don't mean pray that they see the error of their ways. I mean pray for their increase. Pray for their promotion. And pray that you will be a part of that. That is forgiveness. That is forgiveness. So whilst you're praying, we're just going to have some music in the background, which I'm going to play. And then we'll pray and then we'll close.
Amen. Let's just bow our heads for prayer. Father in heaven, we are so thankful to you for the example you've given us. You came and you died and you suffered for us that we may be free. Lord, give us that same spirit of forgiveness, of love, that we may be able to extend it to others. Lord, it's a supernatural power that we don't have in our own strength. But we know that by using it, we will certainly be making God known. <coughs> Father, for each and every heart that is here today, we ask for the power to forgive, the will to forgive, and the effort to forgive. For we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So until next time, I leave you with my four commands, which is to look back in forgiveness, to look forward in hope, to look down with compassion, and look up with gratitude. Amen. <laughs>